Hi, I'm Forrest Griffin. Brian Carraway. And Lisa Tate. What's up, guys? This is Joseph Benavidez, UFC Flyweight. Hi, this is Greg Jackson, and you're listening to It's MMA Zing, and that is an amazing pun. Get it? Like MMA, but amazing? Amazing. Radio. Welcome to It's M Amazing Radio. I am your host, Dr. Law. With me as always, DJ Mark. What's up? Also joining us this week, he's back again, folks. I think he's making a habit of it, Lavender Gooms. Two weeks in a row in the business, that's what we call a streak. That's right. Nice. The um, lowest streak you can have, but it's still a streak. The lowest streak is actually a streak is in your underpants when you don't wipe properly. Thank you, Mike. Nice. You went there. Good you job. You went there. Well, I was, I, there was a lot of ways <laughs> to get out with streak. Is what, this is what we were lacking for all these weeks. Yeah. <laughs> these highbrow, yeah. high concept, <laughs> funny, funny jokes you have, Mike. Thank you. Somehow, somehow, that was both highbrow and lowbrow at the same time. I mean, sure. High. <laughs> sure. Is, <laughs> maybe not high. <laughs> um, all right, boys and girls, a lot happened. This past weekend, um, Ryan Bader and Chuck Congo had a real boring title fight. And people mm-hmm. were like, well, that's definitely going to be the most boring title fight of this weekend. Fucking nope. Nope. That's not what happened. Um, yeah, um, we're not going to talk a lot about that crap because the fight was bad and nothing happened. So is what it is. But UFC 274 provided mm-hmm. um, pretty much... I would say cost and entertainment, but a lot to talk about when it came out of it. Um, coming to you from the Footprint Center in Phoenix, Arizona, with an attendance of six or seventeen thousand two hundred thirty-two Arizonians, $6,130,000 a gate, um, headlined by what was supposed to be, which kind of still was, the lightweight title fight between Charles Oliveira and Justin Gaethje. Co-main event, Nama Yunus Esparza 2. Maybe we should just erase it from history, like Rocky 6 or Rocky 5. Um, all right, Marcus. Uh, Chuck went out there, buddy. Mm-hmm. I mean, got that W in 3 minutes and 22 seconds. Um, I think it was Danny Segura, the journalist, who um, noted this on Twitter, and I'll try to find it, where he said... Charles Oliveira has almost created his his own like his own personal standing eight count because and we saw it in this fight a couple times where he gets hit and he goes down and a lot of times you don't know how hard he went down versus he kind of let himself go down and then the other guy has no interest in going down there and it gives him time to essentially recover mm-hmm. rather than take another shot standing or you know or take a big blow uh, with ground and pound. Um, I just thought that was an interesting observation. Um, this fight, Marcus, fucking fight starts. Oliveira cracks him. Uh, Gaethje cracks him back. And they were just swinging for about three minutes. I think at one point, Gaethje threw a left hook so hard he tripped himself, mm-hmm. which kind of tells you where his mentality was at. I believe at the end, Charles was going for, he was, was he going for one choke? Then he lost it for a moment. Then he went for the other choke. I'm trying to remember the ending sequence. Why don't you help me out if you can? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I mean, 
it was, you know, not a very long fight, but yeah, there was a lot of action. Um, Charles did get dropped early with an uppercut, right? And like you said, he's using this strategy that we saw Nate use quite a lot, where if he when he takes a clean shot, he'll just sit on his butt, you know? I mean, potentially you're losing some points, you know, with the judges. But ultimately, if you can goat someone into getting over-aggressive, maybe not analyzing what's going on super well and try to get them to go for a finish, and, you know, when you have the... the the jujitsu cred that those two gentlemen have, you know, you might be able to catch somebody. But like I said, it is a smart strategy. And the second time he got hit was with a big right hand, but he didn't really even drop down instantly. He kind of threw a half-hearted push kick, and then he was just like, you know, I'm going to sit down for a second and see what he does. Um, and Justin, you know, gave him time to recuperate and uh, get back up. Ultimately, the ending sequence was with, you know, Justin throwing way too hard. I think at the end of the day, this is going to be a fight that is going to haunt him a little bit more than some of his other losses. I think with the Habib loss, he kind of talked about how he wasn't aggressive enough and, you know, he wasn't going to make that mistake again. In that fight, I don't know if him being more aggressive against Habib would have resulted in a different outcome, but this was definitely a winnable fight for him. And I think he can look at the first two minutes or so and be like, I was landing clean shots. It's when I was pushing too hard, which, uh, you know, Whitman had... I think it was, was it the Tony fight or maybe the Chandler fight where he was like, dude, take 20% off those punches and just try to land them instead of taking his head off. And, you know, those small adjustments in between rounds, you know, Justin listens and he can make those adjustments and make those corrections. So he didn't get that opportunity in this fight. You know, essentially Charles was able to, he was landing his right hand at will. Justin, after his first couple leg kicks, was not finding a lot of success in that avenue. So it really gave Charles the wherewithal to kind of pick his shots on the outside. And he was able to, he landed a lot of good clean shots. He was capitalizing when Justin was overextending. Justin does have a tendency when he's kind of throwing his haymakers to kind of duck down really far. It gave Charles multiple opportunities to attempt a shot, mostly get into clinch scenarios. And, you know, something that we didn't talk a, a lot about in the lead up to this is like Charles's clinch is top notch. He used to get a lot of finishes off the clinch. Did you see the, doing- his reaction to the leg kick, Marcus? Like when Justin started throwing the leg kick and he immediately got cracked in the face. Like he threw a couple of so, leg kicks immediately. Right. One of those big ones was just like, fuck you. You're not throwing single leg kicks to me. Like this isn't yeah. happening. <laughs> and, and then the rest of the fight, he was able to just completely mm-hmm. evade them. Absolutely. He would just he, not even not even check them, but just not be there when he got them thrown. So like, yeah, on the outside, Justin was having problems. And when they got into range, he was over, you know, overexerting himself, getting himself in clinch scenarios where Justin was winning those clinches. You know, he was landing some good knees, some good punches. Ultimately, it was a nice, clean, right straight that dropped uh, Justin. And from there, it was just kind of rudimentary for Charles. You know, he's so good on the ground. He's not And especially with a lot of the criticism looking at Justin and his jujitsu game not really being there, he's really a thoroughbred wrestler. And he makes some of those same mistakes. And yeah, Charles, I think, went for a rear naked, started losing that, then went for an armbar, which seemed really close. And then once, you know, Justin was able to get out of that, went back to the rear naked and sunk it in. Um, and it even took Justin a little while to start fighting the hands, you know, almost like he just couldn't, he couldn't keep up. He was drowning out there. Um, he did the classic cap and kind of, did he go out a little bit or no? I don't, I don't think he went out, out, but he, I mean, look, the guy's a warrior. He's not going to give up. He's not going to tap until he knows like there's literally nothing left, but you well, know, let me tell you, Marcus, interview- this man did, uh, he had a, you know, you can't have spent the entire past couple weeks talking about how, you know, this man's a quitter, how Charles Oliveira is a quitter and once a quitter, <laughs> always a quitter. And someone quit in that fight, and it was not fairness, Charles Oliveira. 
in fairness to Justin, though, he never said he wouldn't quit. He just said that, you know, Oliveira is a quitter, you know? Yeah. Two things can be right at the same time. Uh, Marcus, uh, sorry. And, and, go ahead. Sorry. Well, I, I, would, I think a lot of the criticism with Oliveira and his, you know, quitting mentality, if it will, I think mentally he, he I think the criticism like he used to mentally give up in the fight with a choke. It's like, okay, yeah, he gave up, but like the, the well, options yeah, I mean, were I tap now or in two seconds I'm unconscious. And then there's a nice gif of my eyes and the rolling in the back of my head and my limp body getting pushed to the side. I don't really see that as like, that's an, an availability. Like you're not going to get well, out of it at that point. Let's like, uh, you, you mentioned the mental thing, Mike, um, Charles missed weight and no one's really sure what happened here. Honestly, Especially when the UFC, Dana's saying this is a nightmare and they're going to hire a security guard. And apparently when you switch the scale from kilogram to s pounds and messes, I don't know. A lot's going on. It's still Charles's fault. You got to make weight. Um, Mark told me this a long I time ago. Um, it, you have to. Mark said it a few times. You only agree to two things, right? You're going to be there and you're going to weigh this much. That's it. Right? Those are the only two things you're agreeing to. Um, I want, what I want to get to is we're talking about a guy who, like, I thought if this was a couple of years ago, like this was pre uh, Charles Oliver before this, I'm just like, oh, Oliveira missed weight. He's being called a quitter. Fuck. He gets dropped like um, 30 seconds into the fight. Like I, the old Charles Oliveira would have folded. I feel at a lot of those different moments. Right. And this dude, I don't know if he's seeing, like, if he's got like, he's meeting with like, Tony Robbins or something. I'm not trying to be funny necessarily, but has he got like a life coach or this man David has Goggins, turned around maybe. the mental aspect of the, of him, of his career. Cause he always had like, I mean, it was two hands of his striking has gotten better too. But like this man showed up in the UFC. I felt when he was like 15, I know it wasn't that young. He's like, he's about to get his 20th finish. I think his next fight, if he waits, I finish, he's been here a while and something clicked. And I don't know what happened here, but it's the man's done a 180. What do you what, what do you think? What do you make of that, Mike? He was 20 years old when he had his breakout performance against Efren Escudero. When he was rubbing his balls after he got hit with a with a nut shot. It's the the main thing I remember from that fight. But I think this is something that just comes with age. To be honest, as you alluded to, he came into the UFC when he was 20 years old, and a lot of those trials and tribulations that you're talking about. They were like, what, five years ago at this point, six years ago? I mean, how mature were you when you were 24 years old? Uh, there were probably a lot of things that you were able to handle a lot better at 31 or 30 that you really well, couldn't handle that. So at he changed teams in 2018. And he joined Shoot the Box, Diego Lima's version of Shoot the Box. Um, 2018 also being, well, he hasn't lost a fight since 2018. He's 11 or no. So maybe we answered our own question on some level here. Maybe it's the age thing, but we have other fighters like Marcus, like we, I mean, BJ Penn and Vitor Belfort are two examples of like, this is not to say they weren't good fighters, but once things started turning, going bad, they, they weren't going to, you know, that was like, you knew, you know what I mean? Like they weren't going to turn it around. Once the tide wasn't in their favor, you kind of knew. Um, it takes a certain level of grit to do this. And Chuck's, Chuck, Charles Oliveira is really, he found a way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, it, he would have to tell us what the change in his lifestyle and his mentality is. And I think it's, you know, it's this is probably the easiest thing we can all do, you know, um, 
armchair quarterback stuff for him. I was like, oh, he's a quitter. It's like he, he's he's in like a fucking fist fight with you know a professional getting pa- his face pounded in. Ninety nine point nine percent of the population quits when that happens. You know, it it takes a special person to be able to you know, go through the adversity that, you know, these guys do just in training, let alone, you know, in a high profile fight, I, I would hope, or at least I'd imagine that he's gaining more self-confidence because he's shown and proven to himself that when he does believe in himself, even when the chips are down, he is able to be successful. And the last three fights are great examples of that. All these fights, he's gotten knocked out on his ass. It looked like he was losing these fights, and then he pulled it off in the next round, you know. And and in this case, pulled it off within the same round. He got knocked down twice and was able to, you know, not get in his own head or get in his own way, stay focused, find the shot, find the opportunity to get the submission and and put away the fight. So Honestly, he's giving me confidence now. Like, when he got dropped, like, the first time, I'm like, he's okay. I'm like, I I, I mean, I thought he would. I'm like, oh, he'll be okay. He'll, He'll survive this. And then, like, you know, he, the second he got Justin down, I'm like, oh, well, it's Foxville for Justin. He's not coming mm-hmm. back from this at all. This guy's on a different level right now. Oh, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Uh, go ahead. Marcus, you were saying something when I when I rambled there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's just, yeah, I don't know what it is, but I have to imagine now he's, that confidence and that strong mental suit is just getting stronger. And and like you said, this whole lead up to this fight, you know, with, with the weight cut and if there was something wrong with the scale, I'm sure that's extremely frustrating because probably, I mean, he weighed in, right? He was 0.5 pounds over. They gave him what the like hour allotment. So I'm sure he's like, okay, I'm going to try to drop this 0.5, maybe went in the sauna or something, did a jog in the, in the, the suit or whatever. And if the scale was off, he probably weighed himself again. He's like, okay, I'm 155. He probably weighed himself. I mean, I don't think these guys are weighing themselves for the first time when they get on that scale. Well, that's what they're saying. They, they're saying the guys say he made weight the night before. He was already on weight, they're saying. Like, mm-hmm. the whole thing seemed like such a mess. And it, the way that the Arizona commission was like, hey, man, we got one scale. And on that scale, you are 155.5. It's not our business. Like, they really just absolved themselves of now, all responsibility here. Did did Charles try and lose weight? That 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 half pound in well, that apparently hour? Or did he just say, fuck it? No, apparently, like, I mean, I'm not a... I've never cut weight, but they're saying like trying to start sweating all of a sudden immediately is not easy. And then we got another lawyer saying that the time they held the weigh-ins wasn't even uh, like allowed under the rules of the Arizona athletic commission. I don't know. It looks like they're not running a real tight ship over there. Um, All all to say that these are things that would get in any fighter's head, you know, especially with the title fight, learning that you lost your title. Now, when you win this fight, you're not even going to be champion. You're just number one contender again. All these things could, weigh heavily on a fighter when they're going into the fight so to see him have all those things weigh on him go into the fight get cracked twice and still be able to persevere i have to imagine will give him even more confidence than he already has so i think we i think at this point we can kind of later rest how many mentality i'm so curious sorry marcus i'm curious how many knockdowns he got credited with justin or how many they were just like you know like uh they even got knockdowns as a stout they gave him one knockdown only they give Chuck one. Uh, they give Chuck. They give Charles one knock. I keep calling him Chuck. They give that's because on Coming Event podcast they call him Chucky Olives, and it makes me very happy. Um, these are the people that the podcast you know that brought us Bobby Knuckles. So take the nickname seriously. They gave him mm-hmm. one knockdown, and they gave uh, Justin one knockout. So I think they didn't give the second one was yeah. the one they didn't. They said like, oh, this guy probably just kind of mm-hmm. went over because it wasn't directly after the shot. He he took the shot, threw a strike, and then went to his butt. So I think that's he only had thirty nine seconds of control. Oliveira. 
Yeah, I mean, I he got. I don't know what. Pretty I don't know how they gave, they gave Justin 13 seconds of control, and I don't know, know what that was. Maybe, Maybe when he was on his butt or something. Yeah, like, and he they... put him there. He's waiting. <laughs> I mean, there was, um, that would have been an opportune time to throw some leg kicks too. But 50, 51 significant strikes landed out of eighty attempted in this fight. Um, we'll talk about the greater lightweight picture in a moment here, and when I say a moment, it's going to be real quick because we're going to get through this co-main event. Um. All right, Carla Esparza, Rose Namajunas ruined our parlay. Um, Mike's Mike. When you realize that, like, when you realize that, you're like, wait, what? That's the one. That's what did us in. I think like, we made it I through. Sent that, <laughs> I think I sent that text at like two in the morning, my time. Yeah, I woke up and I'm just like, when did Mike send that to me? What? Five a.m. I was like at eleven p.m. my time or something like that, or it was later than that actually. I think it was like three a.m. your time, and I was like, oh, okay. Um, yeah. Um. To summarize, they didn't really fight a lot. Um, I feel, first off, rough night for Trevor Whitman, which is my favorite coach in MMA. Excellent coach. Rough night. I kind of wish, Marcus, you got to go back and I don't want to say you want to watch the fight, but I want you to watch like the corner advice. It's interesting. But like at one point, Pat Barry's like, you hear the booze? That means we're doing exactly the right thing. And I'm like, uh. Are you that confident you're winning? Because it's the first three rounds, I was like, is this 30-30? Is that what's happening here? Like, I didn't care who won on any level. There was no, you could have told me, like, halfway through the fight, Rogan and DC and um, Anik are debating if this is the worst title fight of all time. And then, like, uh, DC's like, what about Anderson versus Maya in Dabu Dhabi? Yeah. And then, like, DC and, and Rogan goes, no, Anderson was doing cool stuff the first round or two. And I'm like, that's true. He did that jumping flying knee at the beginning of the fight. That's already more. And people are saying it's like Izzy and Yoel Romero. I feel someone got jabbed in that fight a little bit. Um, I think was, more than how many punches did you say got thrown? I mean, it landed for each of them 30 each. Uh, I mean, I didn't see 30, but they're saying 30 to 37. And I don't remember. I don't remember any of those. Happen. I saw, the only strike I remember is one time Carla got Rose real good. Just cracked her once. And I was like, oh, let's give her the belt. Um, and they did. Um, if you want some fun, you go to MMADecisions.com and you look at the fan voting for the um, for the decisions here. We're like, what scorecards did you get? And normally it's like the top one has got like 50% and the second one's got like 40%. All the, all the scorecards had like 15% of the vote because everybody was like, I don't know. Don't know what happened. Um... Rose said, do I not get any credit for defense? Literally, no. Your credit is that you didn't get hit. That's your credit. You did, that, that was the credit for not getting hit. You didn't get score offensive points in the scorecards for that. Bad fight. Real bad fight. People turned on Rose real quick. Her saying, I'm the best as she was leaving the cage was impressive, considering that she put on that stinker. Carla got booed pretty mercilessly because she was the only one interviewed afterwards um and only the best part really of the whole fight was that joe's oh no i think it was joe was interviewed her was like well you're getting married next week and you don't have any marks on your face and carla's like oh it's great news i'm marrying the love of my life and the crowd's like fuck your love boo boo just boo. i feel like that was a little that was a wee bit of shade on uh on joe right there i think that was him trying to say you bitches didn't throw shit this whole fight <laughs> It was you're gonna need no concealer for that Look, wedding. 
I love Trevor Whitman. A big fan of that whole team, quite frankly. Apparently, Marcus, the edict this fight, uh, this uh, this card was, yo, we have no interest in grappling. We ain't getting anywhere near grappling if we can in this mm. fight card, if it seems like. Got to turn it around. By the way, Trevor tried to come out after this fight and with a big smile on his face for the Justin fight. I'm like, this man just watched his fighter hand the belt to the other person. That's what it's being described as, by the way. And I think reasonably. Rose literally gave the belt. So, you know, like Charles lost the belt on the scale. Rose uh, Rose lost the belt by just not fighting. And they're saying the winner of Whaley versus Joanna's probably next. Mm-hmm. Which I think Whaley is just always going to be one fight away from a title shot. Apparently, is how desperate we are for you know approval in China. Um, and I know last time Joanna beat anybody. I don't remember last time Joanna fought. Does anybody remember anything about Joanna fighting anybody? I thought she got a W recently. I thought she. I thought she kind of corrected shit, but I'll, I'd have to I, look because I can't remember. I remember her saying she only wants to fight for the title. Um, she hasn't fought since 2020. Right before the pandemic, when she lost that fight to Wei Li. Um, I thought she won that fight. But she also looked like she had an alien growing out of her head when it was over. Yeah. That so that was, was it's hard to win when the optics are that. Like, so, <laughs> so it's a rematch to that. Okay. Yeah. Based off what you guys are saying about just how shitty this fight was. And I mean, the striking numbers kind of say that without even saying it. But the only way Rose gets another title shot is if Carla loses the belt in her next i don't match, know right? well someone well, uh, the best part of the night was like uh someone said like well we have to we have to do it a third fight and then i think it was either dc or joe rogan's like you want to see this a third time <laughs> like, <laughs> i feel like someone should have just came out with the jason bateman meme of the fuck we do i mean we're gonna do volkanovsky at holloway three which we can talk about in the news later but like yeah, but those are entertaining they were they were pretty decent fights at least it wasn't you know barn burners but there was a fight i witnessed a fist fight um, all right, Michael Chandler, Tony Ferguson. Marcus, did Michael Chandler get hit with the same hook that he got hit in the Oliveira fight? Or did he just do the same 360? And I thought it was the same. Maybe one was right hand hook, one was left hook. But he you got... Know, I mean, I, it was like a left straight, I thought, that Was it straight? Or he kind of like he did the, the spin he always does, he seems to do now when he gets hit. He goes down and mm-hmm. kind of spins up. Um, yeah, I mean, you might as well talk about it, Mar- Marcus. I thought Tony Ferguson looked like Tony Ferguson that first round. What'd you think? Yeah, no, I mean, I don't know if we had the judges scorecard on that one, but I'd be interested to see it because Tony on the feet was really picking Michael Chandler apart. You know, he looked like the old Tony Ferguson where he was utilizing his hands really well, was, was able to just pick him apart on the outside and ultimately even down him right with, um, I think it was a counter off of a leg kick. Chandler did correct ship a little bit. He got a, great blast double on Tony and but even then you know when Tony was on bottom he was not making it easy for Chandler he was throwing some strikes off the back he was throwing up triangle chokes he really made Chandler work on top and Chandler was able to to score some some elbows I think he ended up cutting Tony but it was a really close first round and I I think Tony I would give him the nod even though Chandler did get the score the the takedown I would just wonder what the judges think because I still think they're in that mentality where the the takedown is well he got really dropped him bro he did, I mean, but he, like like you said, like he he dropped him like Chandler gets dropped, where he he hits his butt and gets right back up. It was not like wait, a by the way, damaging... you, me- you mentioned this. Sorry, but like when they're like I I appreciate you saying that because like I feel some of the commentators need the rules explained to them. Mm-hmm. Like because I felt like it was some fight where they're like, oh, they're gonna try to steal that round with a takedown at the end, and I'm like, don't stop saying this, like because people watch these fights 
now, right? This sport's getting watched by more people than ever. And we got people watching these ESPN pay-per-views, which are the ones people are watching, you know, so more often than not, DC and Joe on there, where, like, you... Let's try to teach them this shit right. You know what I mean? Like, don't just, like, say, like, oh, this is what happens. How, if you get a takedown at any point, you win the fucking However, round. however, you also got to think that they're also talking about it through the, through the prism of this is what the judges are thinking. Because let's face it, the judges are still kind of in the Stone Age when it comes to all this well, shit. Well, maybe then say, um, well, if the judges are trying to, you know, do what they used to do where it was not acting, it's not the correct way. You know, yada yada. At least like frame it properly. I've, I don't know. I I've feel like I feel like nobody is Bobby, but that's a lot of dude. Words nobody's prepared. Here's the th- here's the problem with the UFC commentary team. The only person preparing is John Anik. I DC might be doing something after he got called out for it by uh, his own fucking colleague when Dominic called him out. But like, I you watch these shitty fight nights. Like as bad as these fights are, like Fitzgerald is. I mean, like Anik prepared. Fucking Bisping's prepared. Felder's prepared. Like, they're, like, talking about, like, you know, effective striking. They're talking about effective grappling. They're not just like, whoa, he got a takedown. Did he win that? We don't know. Like, I don't know. Like, I get the impression. Like, I know, like, people, like, I mean, I know we're a podcast where which a bunch of friends just talking. But I feel sometimes the UFC commentary team feels like DC and Joe are just, like, half paying attention to a fight. Like, oh, you know, we don't know what's happening. I don't know. I'm just going on a rant at this point. Somebody, Mark, talk about how Tony Ferguson became a meme in the second round. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, the, the first round was pretty good, for, I think, for both of them. And I'd be interested to see what, what the judges did score because it was fairly close. Um, but I would give the nod to Tony. Uh, yeah, and then the second round, I mean, you don't want to call it a lucky shot. It was, you know, a strike that Chandler's not known for throwing, you know, a front kick to, to the face. Um, he just happened to land perfectly on Tony and he said it in his post fight, you know, the way Tony stands, the way his stance is, it is very wide and open uh, for shots to come up the middle. So that front kick was potentially open. And I think more so, you know, when we were talking last week about, you know, picking against Tony and a lot of it was, you know, what has he done lately? How has he looked in his last couple of fights? And while he hasn't looked good in his last four, because he hasn't won a fight, and he took a lot of damage in those fights. He's never been stopped. In his whole career, he's never been stopped with a strike. I, I, I think in general, I think all his losses were decision. So to I see think him he getting, technically, wasn't he TKO'd by Gaethje just because they had to stop it? Because he was just getting beaten to fucking oh, death okay. standing, basically. But no, he had okay. been put out. That was the thing. He got put. Yeah. Not just put out. That was disgusting. Like, that was knockout of the year. Pending some wild shit happening. Because he got knocked out standing. And then he hit the mat. With such force, Mark, that I was like, did he break his neck? Because he looked like he pile-drivered himself. The, like, the angle where he went into the mat, that was uncomfortable. And like I felt like if they're not going to show him, at least like talk to me a little bit more than we wait two minutes to be like, oh, Tony's now moving. Because I was like, mm. is this dude dead? Like That was horrible. Um, you mentioned four losses here. First time getting stopped. He, The people he's losing to, though... I mean, it's Chandler, Dariush, Oliveira, Gaethje. Like, there aren't better, there literally aren't better fighters in the world than mm-hmm. those four people right now, short of like Islam. Dana White said, um, and Mike, I'm going to get your thoughts on this. Dana White said, everybody was asking me this week leading up to the fight, is this make or break for Tony Ferguson? And I said, no. He's still one of the top 10 guys in the world and looked damn good in the first round, but that was a vicious knockout. 
I think what needs to happen now is Tony needs to take some time off after that knockout. And I don't know. But it's not like, oh my God, Tony got dominated and looks like he doesn't even belong here. Tony looked damn good right up until he got caught. And you know in this game, anybody can get caught with anything. Mike, he came out of the hospital. CT scans negative, um, which is great news. Um, it sounds like the UFC is not done with him. Are we... Is are we just going to put Tony Ferguson right at number right fighting anybody who wants to enter top five, top seven? What what do you think is the plan going forward? Well, first, I was I'm actually surprised that Dana White said it seems relatively glowing things about Tony Tony Ferguson because Tony Ferguson was out here just scorched earth last week on Dana White. I think called him a drug dealer and a whole bunch of other shit. You called um, Dana a drug dealer too. Or he said some shit like didn't he? Didn't he call Dana White? Drug I don't know. Anytime, anytime Tony Ferguson opens his mouth, I'm just like, oh, this is yeah. all crazy. He made assumptions about like a drug dealer who just throws money at you, and he's like, oh, here's the money, do what I want. He's mostly oh, he was, okay. All right, yeah. I, he didn't literally call Dana White a drug dealer. All right, yeah. Uh, Mark yeah, was yeah, giving yeah. a lot more context. Than he was I using did. the the context of that they're using money to control you, and he basically said and he's not wrong. Like you know, for a majority of his career, he's been very much a company guy and, and towed that line. And I think recently he's kind of again these like assertions he's making are kind of weird. He's like he's a professional athlete. He wants to compete in other sports, which the UFC isn't allowing them. He keeps bringing up baseball. <laughs> it's just like of all the things that he can compete in. Like if Tony Ferguson transitions into like the major league baseball, that would be pretty hilarious, dude. That would be pretty surprising. But I think that's mostly what he's talking about. Is like he's he's towed the line, and I don't feel like it's really helped him you know garner more well, money I mean, or garner okay maybe more money but like the man to try to they put they try to book him for a title fight he hurt himself when we're tripping on cables yeah like he was he interim he, champion he should have he, he, he should have sued fox when that happened and like maybe he should have i don't know how many people tripped on those cables and hurt themselves there that's interesting i don't know he's talking about the clumsy cage fighter though no problem um michael chan so um mike we were saying what are we doing with this man I think he'd take some time off. Um, Oliveira offered. This was the first uh, fight this year, by the by. Take the rest of the year off. Uh, um, Oliveira offered um, for him to come down. To sh uh, I think shoot the box is where Oliveira's at. Yeah. Um, but I think whatever he needs to do, I think he needs to take some time away from the actual octagon. Um, let himself recover. And no, I, I don't want to see him fighting a top five guy. I know you guys, you know, he did well in the first round. He he did get he did get caught. But I, I think at this point, me seeing Tony Ferguson try and go up against the upper echelons of the lightweight division, I don't want to see that. I want to see him fight a lower top ten guy at this point because he doesn't deserve to fight a top top five guy at this point in his career. So last time we see a thing on how much Tony money Tony Ferguson made. This is hard to gauge because it was when him and Gaethje main evented that pay-per-view for the interim title like four fights ago, and he made 500 grand. So I don't know if it's like he gets 500 grand in general. That's a lot. Um, but then again, he's been in the UFC for 12 years. So I don't know. Oh, Michael, I just want Tony. I worry about Tony Ferguson. There was no way I wasn't going to worry. I'm not going to worry about Tony Ferguson's future after what happened a few years ago. And again, we don't talk about it. I just need to know what happened to this man's, you know, going crazy. How we solve that? What what happened? Or we just, you know, 
moved on. Stop with our talking lives. about it. Yeah, that's really Sweep it. Just sweep, sweep head, it under the rug. <laughs> All right, lightweight champion of the world doesn't exist. Best lightweight in the world. Okay, the lightweight champion is Charles Oliveira. Without saying he's a lightweight champion, because he got gets pay per view points. He's the number one contender. There's no other champion. He's the fucking champion. Um, we can do a lot of stuff here, guys. Chandler's one fight out away from one fight removed from beating him, from losing to him. Justin Gaethje hasn't fought anybody. Um, Conor McGregor got called out still, which is great by everybody who won the night, it seemed like. Um, Islam Makachev has got, he's number three behind Gaethje and Poirier. He should, in theory, be next. He's got one top 10 win, um, but he should be next. He also, I think, pissed off the UFC, acting like he was going to take a fight on short notice and then didn't after talking a bunch of shit that he was going to. I think Ali Abdelaziz might have messed up there, um, pissed off the UFC. Let's just go with who do you guys think should be the next contender? Who do you think will be the next contender in addition to Oliveira, of course? Mark, you go ahead. Um, I mean, oh, in by my... the way, they're talking about Islam Dariush possibly, and Dana said or Islam versus the winner is another possibility of this main event of, of Oliveira. Basically, him fighting the winner of Oliveira Gaethje was the other thing they were looking at for Islam. So yeah, I was going to mention Darush in, in an ideal world. I think you have those two guys fight for. I mean, you could say number one contender, but we know Oliveira already is that. So I mean, I, that's what I would like to see. I don't. I think. Islam makes a lot of sense. I'd be excited to see it. I think stylistically, it's an interesting match. But like you mentioned, his one top 10 win was Hooker, right? Yeah. Which is like in a division where it's been like these dudes have been at the top for like three years, just killing each other off to have him fight one guy that's kind of been on the downfall for being somewhat honest with ourselves to then jump into the title seems a little premature for just the division on the opposite. And you have... um. Darush, who's been fighting forever and you know his record is a little checkered but he's made those corrections and he's fought the top competition has really kind of earned his spot there so i think having those two guys figure out because look if he beats Darush, then it's like okay islam you, you've more than proven yourself to me and if Darush beats islam it's just like dude like this dude's on another level that we need to really pay attention to this guy because i don't know how he beats islam so that's in an ideal world um him and connor might happen and I think the two. What do you Connor want? Fights... <laughs> what do you actually want? Islam. Uh, I would. I, I guess if I if I can't do a Darush Islam eliminator fight. No, that's fine. Just, if that's what I, if that's what you want, you want to you want to first. That is what I you want, want them to I, wait. I would, yeah, I, I, would, I would like them to figure that that piece of the puzzle out. And whoever wins that fight, I think is more than willing or, or has earned that shot against Oliveira to fight for the vacant belt. And then I like to see Chandler and Connor fight. I think Connor needs a winnable fight. I think Chandler is a winnable fight for him, although it's going to be difficult. It's not going to be a cakewalk for him. You know, I, I wouldn't even be upset if Connor picked a lesser opponent, someone that maybe wasn't even the top. Yeah, they want to fight in a while. Yeah, you know, let's just get Connor out. The exactly. We're at, we're at, we're at the like, hey man, let's just get the guy with the broken leg a fight. I'm down to see him fight anybody. Let's enjoy yeah, this while he's still I, around. I think Chandler's a winnable fight for him. I think Chandler's oh. hittable. I think Connor can put guys away still, and in. One, I think whether you like, I mean, one, I think it's hard not to like Chandler just from the fights he's put on the UFC. I think his little promo at the end of the fight is like the most charismatic. When did I've he learn how to him. talk? When did that happen? 
Yeah, I uh-huh. I think he's he knows that this is. He was on McAfee today, window. by the way, Marcus. He was on McAfee okay. getting big publicity there too. So good for him sure. getting some attention. Yeah, so I mean, I I'm not hating that at all. I think him and Connor at 170 could be really interesting. And I think it's it's a I think it's a fight that Connor potentially could win. Now I think the wrestling comes into play and that could really screw stuff up for Connor. But you know, I, I kind of like that matchup. So that, that's my ideal. So you want so you fights. want to see what happens with the winner of Islam mm-hmm. versus Benil. What do you think is going to actually happen? You think he's gonna? That's gonna happen actually, or do you think Charles waits? Do you think Charles just fights somebody else? Mm, yeah, I mean, I'm not gonna be surprised if Islam just jumps ahead. Um, well, he is ahead technically already. He's three. Darius is four. Right. I, I mean, I just I I feel it's a little unearned because when well, was Hooker? Was Hooker maybe three or so? And he just took his spot. But now I don't think Hooker was ever that high either. Well, that's like, what I'm saying. Uh, How did he jump all the way to three, though? He beat, what, six? Well, he was, suppo- like, uh, they were, he was supposed to fight Dariush. That's why that Bobby Green fight happened, is because Dariush got hurt. Now I remember the controversy. Dariush mm-hmm. got hurt, and Dos Anjos is like, I'll fucking fight Islam, no problem. And mm-hmm. Islam's like, oh, yeah. You know, sure, let's do it. And then the UFC presented the contract, and he's like, oh, no. Give me Bobby Green instead. That's what yeah. happened, apparently. So, <laughs> Well, I mean, whatever it is, I, I, that's, what, that's what I would like to see. What might actually happen, Islam might get the fight, Darush might get the fight, they might give the fight to Connor. All those scenarios make just about as much sense because we're not really playing with a full deck Mike, anymore. what do you what do you got? What do you want or what do you think is going to happen? Ah, uh, man. I, I don't know. Um, to be honest, I just kind of want to see him fight someone that he actually has a chance of winning against who connor? Uh, connor i'm asking what yeah. do you want to happen and what do you think is going to happen with the lightweight title like what do you what do you want for that match for who's charles Oliveira fighting man that's a tough one but what i would love to see happen is Volkanovski come up from 145 and fight for the 155 title. Oh, you were gonna wait. You think we're gonna wait that long? The man is fighting Max in July. That's that's a big wait for Chuck. <laughs> that's only that's only about what two months away at this point. And I think that Charles is gearing up for maybe what October or or November. I, don't, for, I feel, I feel fight. Charles fights a lot. Is that just because I've seen it for 20 years here? But like. Bill Charles is pretty active. I like your idea. Do you think that's what happens? Look, man, I'm all about having, you know, thinking things into, yeah, make a prediction. Uh, into existence. <laughs> you know what? I'm going to go out there. I'm going to go out on a limb and say Volkanovski and Oliveira around the end of the year. Okay. This is, uh, I want, um, I want him to wait, honestly, a little bit. I don't think, but I, I, I it's It's tough. They can just give it to Islam because here's the thing. Um, this is yeah, what I think. A, gonna, I th- I'm, I think starting, I'm starting to interrupt, Bobby, but there's also this. He's not the champion anymore. He is. So if he decides to not, he's, but he's not. But here's the thing, though. We know he is, but he is not. He doesn't have the belt officially. So if he decides to not take a fight, and let's say they decide, you know, fuck it, we'll do Islam against someone else, then... That's just going to be wild. Oh, yeah, because we got, we got Khabib out here calling for the fight to be in Abu Dhabi. And I'm like, what is – when did – why? Just why? Um, this is what I think is going to happen. I think they're, I think we're going Chuck and uh, Islam. And I think it's because if Charles – there's because I, I think Dana White still wants Khabib. And the only way – and he thinks that if Charles goes out there and sm- – and he has to smoke Islam. If he smokes Islam Makachev, 
You can, and, and Charles Oliveira is not this fighter, but I think if, if Charles Oliveira gets on the mic afterwards and said, Khabib, turn your ass around. That's how you get Khabib back. That's why I think they book Islam versus Charles. Because if is Charles beats his kid, beats the kid, beats his beats Khabib's protege, I think that's I don't think they let Benil Darius fuck that up. That being said, I do think that Islam pissed them off. So I think him making him fight Benil, as Mark is saying, still a possibility. Um, I think we're getting Justin Gaethje versus Dustin Poirier since we're talking about this weight class in general. I think we need to run that back. I think that's the fight. I like Michael Chandler and Conor McGregor a lot. I really like that fight, Marcus. I think that's a great idea. Um, I don't know how hurt he is still, but I think that's a really good idea. And um, mm -hmm. I'm starting to now question if I was right when I thought we might have seen my, the best of Michael Chandler and Bellator. So I don't know. I know he's like two and two in the UFC, but mm -hmm. he's been fucking fucking look good in these two and two. You know what I mean? Like he looked pretty good against Justin, even though he lost. He looked. He almost beat Charles. Chandler's looking great. Yeah, I don't know. This is a uh, this is interesting. Maybe we'll do an interim championship when there's no champion, Mike, for Benil versus Islam. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, these belts mean nothing. Um, all right, Shogun, OSP wasn't very good. Uh, I thought Shogun won. What else do you want to say about it, Marcus? I thought Shogun won. I don't care though. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't in a super exciting fight. I mean, it's just Shogun's age is showing. You know, he's not nearly as, and I think it. You know what? What the most telling thing was when the clapper hit at the last ten seconds, and Shogun was kind of just circling around, and it's like that is a far different fighter than we used to see in Pride, where he heard the clap, it's guns blazing. This is yeah. the last chance to get it done, and he's kind of like, I'm just gonna ride this out, you know. But he's forty, you know. He's he's had this whole career. I think it's time to kind of hang it up because I think OSP was the type of fighter that he's he, got he one more fight left to. on his deal, and Dana said oh. they're gonna give it to him. Okay. So we'll let's, give a, let's give him it's some like he young. He got knocked out or hurt in this fight, so it's like you know he's still able to compete, but it's just not at that level. He doesn't have the the aggression, um, you know the the violence. There's just that fire is not in him anymore. You know he's just looking to to pick his shots and you know score some late kicks and, and try to win it by points. And that's just not the Shogun that was the guy that you know reigned supreme in the Pride Grand Prix. You know when he won that. So yeah. I was I watched. Uh like most of these other pre the ESPN prelims. I don't remember what happened in these fights, but I thought Matt Schnell going for a guillotine against Royville, giving it up, and then getting caught in a guillotine four seconds later, Mark, was fucking cruel shit right there. Like, that was rough for that dude. I mean, but, it was also just the storyline behind yeah. it really was, had you rooting for the guy. I guess his, his mother just passed away like within a week or something, and he took he still took this fight. So I was like, I was definitely like, oh, I really hope he pulls it off. And then he didn't. And it was just like, oh, man, this is just, this is kind of just, uh, you know, cascading. But that's the fight game, baby. Big win for Fialo on the early prelims. Big win for Miss Tracy Cortez, um, who's runs her streak in the UFC, not counting Dana White's contender series to 4-0, 5-0 if you include that. She is 10-1 overall um, on a 10-fight win streak. A lot of decisions. But uh, big win for her. Overall, besides whatever that happened in that co-main event, pretty good fight card. Yeah, two um, awesome fights on paper were going to be fantastic, and in reality, they were too. So, so fight of the night going to Royville and Schnell for the minute and a half, or the two minutes, or sorry, the two minutes and change. They were just wild fight for two minutes. Um, I think the main event probably was the fight of the night, but I guess they didn't want to cut Gaethje 
a check for a hundred for fifty thousand or a hundred thousand after lose. I don't know. I know Oliveira wasn't eligible, but the fuck. I mean, mm. I don't know. I thought that was pretty cool. Chandler and Fiala with performance of the night. The following fighters received a Crypto.com fan bonus of the night. Awards paid in Bitcoin, value of thirty thousand first place, second third twenty thousand second place, ten thousand third place. Real opportunity for the fans to maybe vote for people who aren't getting paid on this card. Never happens. Third place, Charles Oliveira got ten grand. Second place, Michael Chandler, twenty thousand right there. First place, Rose Namajunas got thirty thousand dollars for just laying a turd in the middle of that octagon. So we should probably take away people's right to vote <clears throat> with this. Maybe other places too. Um UFC's back next week with this Rakic and Blachowicz card. But uh, first, got a little bit of news. Um, first, did you guys, not sure you guys caught this, but they did uh, DC. They announced DC is going into the Hall of Fame. Um, okay. On I, the, I, saw, I saw an IG post about that. Yeah, it's, you know, it's, I'm going to send it to you guys. And the people who are listening, of course, I think you should, rec- you should pull this up. So Michael Basping's got a YouTube channel. First of all, it's really good. Michael Bisping's really good at this. Um, but he uh, did like an instant reaction to the Tony Ferguson knockout. So he's in his living room and he's talking uh, to his phone or his wife's filming him. And he's talking about the reaction while this just ended. And he's like, oh, look, Han, DC's going in the Hall of Fame. And then he's like, oh, DC's crying. And he's like, man, everybody's making a big deal of DC going to the Hall of Fame. They didn't cry when I was going to the Hall of Fame. What's uh, DC still crying. Bruce Buffer's hugging him. Bruce Buffer didn't hug me when I went to the Hall of Fame. I just really enjoyed it. It was just Bisping's Bis- <laughs> talking shit. Bisping's a funny guy. Um, good for DC, man. I mean, two-way champion. Really can't say, you know, he doesn't deserve it, of course. And, uh, you know, did his best while the action by the light, while the best light heavyweight in the world was, you know, crashing cars into pregnant women, doing steroids, and apparently hitting his wife. So... DC, though, someone got booed whenever he fought because reasons. Um, so it looks like we're doing Max Holloway, Alexander Volkanovsky 3. Um, mm-hmm. I like to fight Marcus because I feel when these two dudes are fighting, I'm watching a higher level of MMA, like strategy-wise mm-hmm. and technique-wise. So that's cool. Um, beyond that, like... I don't know. I mean, I thought Max won the second one. I think you and I both thought. I think all three of us thought Max won the second one. It was a close fight, but um, I don't know if Max wins this one. Do we just keep doing this? Like these two are clearly better than the rest of this weight class. Yeah, I mean that's kind of the the pickle that they find themselves in is that there's not really any other competitive matchups right now. I mean, I guess yeah, year Rodriguez is kind of out there, but he just lost to. I keep thinking he's closer than he is. But what was it Zabit in this weight class? What weight class was Zabit? Wasn't it this one? Did he ever, whatever happened to Zabit? Did he just give up? (laughs) It just, it definitely seems like there's not a lot of guys at the top that Alexander and or Max haven't already beaten. So they are clearly, you know, the two best guys in the division. And, you know, they're going to fight again and maybe make a historic fourth fight. But, you know, as, you know, someone that's, you know, consuming the product. I always do kind of favor, um, you know, new matchups, new looks. So having this third fight, I'm not like personally, it's one of these things where it's like, I know on paper, it's probably going to be a very tactical fight, an interesting fight and a fun fight to watch. It's hard for me to get excited before the fact about it because we've already seen it a couple times. Um, you know, I'm guessing it's going to go to the decision. It's probably going to be close. They're probably going to be, you know, fighting on the outside a lot, getting, you know, 
darting in, throwing a few you know punches and getting out, and it'll be a tactical fight. Yeah, this you know some mo- some movies you know some movies are the Dark Knight and some movies are you know foreign language you know think pieces you know like this is more sure. of like this is like a highbrow fight. Um, sure, I think that's fair. The only other person in this weight class of any interest is my boy Arnold Allen, who's mm, rattled yeah. off nine straight, but. Dan Hooker is the first one in a while that we know this person is legit and he finished him. He's number five. I mean, we can do Yair versus Arnold Allen or mm-hmm. – I mean, like, anyway. Um, Dana did say that if Al- that he's, he's Alex go wants a title shot at 155, he can get a, he can go immediately and do it after this one. That would after be this compelling. one, of course. What are we doing? Um, main event of that card, though, Mike, this is the July card we're talking about, is going to be Derek, Jared Cannonier and Izzy Adesanya. Um. I think that's going to be a more interesting fight that people are giving credit probably to, given how hard Cannoneer can hit and how well-rounded he is and honestly his size. Um, what do you think? Is that going to be like, you think he's going to have to put a little bit of effort into that one or, you know, he's going to just walk through uh, the killer gorilla? No, yeah, I think so. Um, I've never gotten the sense that people think this is just going to be a, uh, you know, just a, a regular fight for, for Adesanya, that he would just be able to, you know, just carve through uh cannoneer i'm very interested in this fight i mean cannoneers looked very good in his last few fights leading up to this uh title shot yeah and he's 38 years old you really want him to get this thing because he was he fought at heavyweight then light heavyweight and now middleweight and you could like they were showing the highlights during the you know when they announced his fight and you're like fat heavyweight oh in shape light heavyweight fucking jacked oh there he is there's the middleweight jared cannoneer just looking great um Training down at the lab with Benson Henderson and the boys. Um, I'm excited for him. This is, you know, in a world where all these title shots are looking questionable as hell. Him getting a title shot was really important, I felt. And when they finally, and I don't think they did book Leon and Camaro yet, did they? I don't no, I don't so. believe they have yet. Him. No. Uh, no Camaro's still out here talking shit to Can- Canelo. Oh, no. You mean his manager is? And then Canelo goes, Who? Who? By the way, uh, the Canelo fight, real quick. I watched it. Mark watched it. Mike, do you watch it? I did not. I liked the look. He got the scorecards that they're around the media. They have MMA decisions is now doing it for some boxing fights. And first of all, the judges scoring the first four rounds for Canelo was wild to me. Is that, I think when is I, that I, not accurate? I thought Canelo won one goddamn round. Personally, I thought he won the ninth round, but. Ah, some of those first few rounds. I don't know. Um, the only uh, I saw that DAZN, which is his broadcast partner, their officials, their scorecard had it as a draw, <laughs> and everybody else had Canelo losing on some level. Um, big win, by the way, for Dubak was his name or something. Bovoli, some shit Bovac? like that. Bova, I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. How I got Dubak. Bivol, big win for that dude. Bivol. Canelo man. 175 is too big. 174.4, mm-hmm. just too big, homie. Got to go back down. You know, you don't want to end up like Roy Jones and just you to break everything doing all these moves. Um. All right, I don't know what other MMA news we saw, except it sounds like we're gonna get to Stipe and John Jones somewhere or another. John Jones seems like he's like I want to like Steve's like I wanted it in July. It sounds like Stipe wants it in September. He said I love. He says like you know I want to fight Stipe. He's a great fighter at his best, and I think I'm you know. Sounds like John Jones is like, I'm not in a position to do anything but fight. I should just say yes to something. Mm-hmm. Um, fucking love that fight, though. I'm a 
That is a serious, serious fight. Um, right now, not holding you guys to it. Marcus, John Jones, Steve Amiosa, who do you got? Mm, that is tough. Um, just at a whim right now, maybe Stipe, just because we've never seen John at heavyweight. So it'd be interesting. There's a lot of questions with, with John at heavyweight. You know, how does that yep. transition go? How much does he weigh in at? You know, how does that affect his, you know, cardio? How it affects his, his game planning? You know, all the question marks are around him. And Stipe is just a saw, you know, I mean, I was going to say like a solid heavyweight. He's literally one of the best of all time to hold the belt as long as he did. But, you know, John Jones is a generational talent. So, I mean, that's why it makes it so compelling. And I would be compelled with any heavyweight fight legitimately just to see how John performs. But against that one, he's 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 diving into deep water. So it's sink or swim. Literally the greatest. Fair. Yeah. yeah, which I think is fair. I mean, this guy has dominated light heavyweight to such a degree that I don't think he's trying anymore. So why not throw him against the best heavyweight potentially you could and see how he does there? I think Stipe or Gone or even a fight with Francis is kind of what I'm most interested in seeing John do. So. They really didn't book. They, they really fucked this up, and we're not going to see Francis versus John. It's good. It's, I mean, wow. yeah, that was just wow. Easy money, but. Way to blow that, Mike. Who right now? Stipe, John Jones. Who do you got? I'm going with the greatest uh, MMA fighter I've ever seen. George St. Pierre is not in this fight. No, John Jones. You got yeah. I've never seen John Jones lose a fight. I mean, I okay. Wait, I've never seen John Jones lose a fight according to the judges. But um, <laughs> I, 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 I'm going John Jones until otherwise, you know, whatever random, you know, dick pills he's on or not on. Stipe, Stipe eventually gets old, right? I don't know. <laughs> I feel Stipe fights once a year. <laughs> he's been around longer than we think he is has been. Um, and then, you know, maybe John wins and we actually, you know, after Francis is done losing to Tyson Fury, we can do that fight. Maybe. That'd be cool. I'm at the point now where I just think that's going to happen. It's, it's interesting. Um, all right. Um, a little more news. We're going to tie this into the Bellator card that's happening this, uh, this weekend. Paul Daly's done. This is it. Uh, Paul Daly's final fight he announced is going to be this Bellator card in the UK. I got a lot bad to say about Paul Daly in terms of like what he's provided me as a fan. Um, that Nick Diaz fight, maybe the most exciting one round MMA fight ever. Maybe. Um, the knockouts he showed up in the UFC given that, that Josh Kostrick fight, which ended very badly. He shouldn't have done what he did. Paul Daly, man, good career. Wasn't a champion, Marcus, but good career. You guys got, got 65 fights up what I count here. You know, he he always, for the most part, put on good performances. You know, he definitely had his shortcomings that I think, you know, stopped him from, you know, reaching greatness. But he was always a guy that, you know, if you saw him on the card, you know, like, okay, this guy's going to come out and and try to swing and take someone's head off. Um, Whether he's successful or not really depends on his level of opposition. But yeah, I mean, a a good storied career. And it seems like he's going to go out, you know, without any major injuries or head trauma. So that's kind of what you hope for most of these guys. So good on him. Um, we've been real critical on this podcast. Well, Mike, you want to say anything about Paul Daly? Mm-hmm. A shame that he cold clocked Josh Koscheck after the fight and showed no remorse. Maybe he could have gone to a title shot. Who knows? You I mean, he was close. We, he was close remember right when we met, uh, we met Tan Dan and we said, what was, uh, Koscheck telling Paul Daly? And he was just like, just like the meanest shit. <laughs> so I think when he says something like that, just horrible stuff. I did like the MMA fan narrative of afterwards, like, 
Kostrek called Paul Daly the N-word. And then everybody would be like, yeah, guys, Kostrek's black. <laughs> Kostrek's black, that, too. He's half black, isn't he? <laughs> yeah, Kostrek? Kostrek's half black. So, I don't know if people thought my man just had a tan. Um, uh, <laughs> MVP. Uh, we've been real critical of him. Well, we've been really critical of mostly Bellator, partly him. Oh, Jesus. Um, the- All right. This is what I know I've... I've started watching way too much wrestling. Uh-huh. I thought you referred to MVP from uh, WWE. I mean, that'd be interesting too. I'd watch him fight. I think he actually has fights. MVP been in he's jail. A, he's he's won some jujitsu tournaments. Yeah, MVP been in jail. Okay, MVP a real one, as people say. Um, Mo, um, Michael Venom Page fighting for the interim welterweight championship. I don't know who the welterweight champion is. Doesn't uh, matter. MVP about to get himself. I want to say because if because if MVP is fighting, that means the other dude he's fighting is a tomato can. Well, Lima lost his Better belt. Champion. No, he's here's the thing. I don't. He's fighting Logan Storley. Well, I remember when Logan Storley was coming out of college because he was like an NCAA like champ or close to it. And I remember thinking like, well, someone's gonna jump on this guy. Thirteen and one now, man. A lot of decisions. You fucking take this dude down. You take down MVP, Logan Storley. That is the strategy. 25 minutes of British people booing. Mark, what do you think? That is the strategy against MVP, okay? <laughs> what else would you do? <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, it, it seems stylistically it could be a very tough matchup for MVP, and I I don't have his record in front of me, so I don't remember how many, like, high-level wrestlers he's Fucking fought against. Zero. And, yeah, and has done well. So it seems stylistically this is going to be a very difficult matchup for him, unless he can pull something off, you know? The, the guy is, you know, it, tremendously athletic, very explosive, and, you know, we've seen him put away fights with flying knees. So, you know, if he could potentially time in a shot and land something like that, you know, he could turn the fight around. But I think stylistically, it's going to be a tough fight for him. If he's fighting a really good wrestler who's going to be able to, you know, get him to the ground and tire him out, I think that's probably the kryptonite to to beat that guy. So it's going to be tough. MVP if he is wins that belt, he'll earn it. 35 goddamn years old. We waited this long. 35 years old, 20 and 1. We started this project in Bellator in 2014. Um... Yeah, um, Asimov or Amasov is the champion. I believe he took that title off of, uh, I want to say Lima, because Lima's always the champion, or Koreshkov, one of the two. Answer was Lima. Uh, I guess he's hurt, and apparently this is Bellator, baby. You know, that title got to be defended. We got we, we promised him MVP on this card. He's got to be champion when the night's over, one way or the other. So, Logan Storley. I hope he grinds him into dust. Not that I dislike MVP. I just think it'd be really funny if that's what happened. Um, more realistically, <laughs> he's probably going to win. Um, I don't know, man. It sounds like you don't like him. I just... I've always thought, like, I'm hearing a lot of shit talk from somebody who's not beating anybody any good. But he beat Douglas Lima in his last fight, so... Do you remember that time he knocked the dude out and then he threw a pokeball at him? Yeah, that and that so guy was seven years past when he should have retired. This is Bellator, baby. Someone rushed the cage after the UFC 274 main event. Go, go. Phil asks oh, Michael. No. No, people are stupid. Yeah, that apparently happened. Um, okay. We're going to pick one fight, right? Because are we picking two? Do we decide we're picking this other fight or not? Uh, nah, let's just pick the one fight. Right, how, much, uh, how much are we winning this thing by? Because the only difference we had was uh, Mark picking Shogun, I think. Yeah, blew it. And we well, lost. We lost Lozon and, and Cerrone. Oh, go fuck yourself, Bobby! Um, Taking out the championship belt, baby. 
I gotta wear it when I'm defending it. We're def- yeah, I'm talking yeah. about my defense right here. <laughs> Wearing it around my head like Bubba Ray Dudley. Um, whatever, whatever. Okay, what are the standings? Um, so uh, Mark went two and two last week. Um, me, you, and Chalk went three and one. Uh, Rose not throwing forty punches rather than thirty kept us from an undefeated week, and also money in our parlay. So, God damn it, Rose. You're you're close to not being my favorite anymore, but I digress. Michael Michael Page is a plus two thirty underdog. Yo, people seeing wrestlers. <laughs> Yo, my man, <laughs> yeah. my man. We're not talking about Michael Page right now. I'm doing my standings break. Okay, down. go ahead, go ahead. Thank you. Just 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 trampling, just trampling on my part. Anyway, the champ does what uh, the champ wants. The champ. Uh, Dr. Law is 25 and 12. And then the rest of us are bringing up the rear at 23 and 14. That's right. All right. So are we picking two fights or one fight? What are we deciding? We're picking okay. one fight. <laughs> okay. Um, I've now lost the fight. All right. The UFC is doing Jan Blahovich. I got to stop saying his name. You guys' name wrong. Jan Blahovich versus Alexander Rakic. I've been real interested in Rakic as a prospect, mostly because the idea of any young light heavyweight. Gives me fucking hope. Um, also, he's from Vienna. So, I've been there. Um, after losing a split to Ozdemir, um, Rakic has won back-to-back fights against Anthony Smith and Tiago Santos, both title contenders. Um, I'm not sure we've seen our dude Yanni Blachowicz since uh, Blahovic since he lost that belt. Is that accurate? That is yeah, correct. We haven't seen him since mm-hmm. October 2021 where my man got choked by old man Glover Teixeira. So, not great. Betting odds for this one. The f- Do they not have betting odds on best fight odds anymore? What What's going on? What Can we not figure this out? I don't want to have to start going to the UFC website. For I'm my going odds, to the UFC. But well, well first of all, you're you're in New York State. You could look at your phone and tell me the odds on FanDuel right now. Just putting that out there. <laughs> eh, you know, all right, we got a minus 155 Rakic to plus 135 Jan Blahovich. Um, so Chuck. Is with Rakic. Mike, who are you with? I'm going to go with the underdog. I'm going to go with Blahovich. Um, I've seen Blahovich get to the mountaintop, and I think he has a skill set to win this fight. Marcus. Yeah, I think it's a tough fight. Um, I want to implement, maybe not this year, next year, Bobby, champion goes first each time. You're, you're, you're sitting here in the back. I try to rotate. Mike never goes first. I try to mix it up. Mike never goes first. I think champion always goes first. All right. How did I get? How did I just get thrown under the bus? (laughs) I don't know. I was throwing Bobby under the bus. Champion has to go first every week. Yeah. Every fight. You're you're such every fight with your championship belt there being. Oh, I'm the big man. Not 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 champion. Whoever's in first place. Because if I start losing, why do I have to stay defended? Because if you're gonna wear the belt, that's fair. I think no. The championship's about last year. Okay, fine. I'll go then. Um, I got uh, I got Rakic. Mostly because yeah. let's get some new fucking blood in here, man. That's it. I very much could see him get knocked out because Blahovich hits like a fucking truck. But I, I like the idea of some young blood, man. I'm now picking fights now like I did last week with Oliveira saying, I like having a champion that Khabib hasn't beat. Mm-hmm. In this fight, I like having some new blood up here, man. I'll go Rakic. Um, really Mike, you, got, you, Mike you, you still got Jan Blaho- Blahovich? Yeah. Nothing changed? I still have Blahovich. All right. And Marcus, who do you got? 
I'm gonna go with Ratchet too. I was kind of hoping you'd go with Jan, and then I could I could pull one here, but obviously that wasn't the case. So uh, I would have taken Blahovich if you guys didn't all take. If you guys all took Rakic, I would have taken Blahovich. That would have mm-hmm. been the reason. I mean, I can see Jan winning. I mean. When you look at Ratchkis, it's like, okay, this guy is most actually I'm kinda oh wait, no, I'm looking at Don. I mean, he mostly wins his fights by knockout. So you can you can I could draw some comparisons to be like, well, is he a better striker than Izzy? Because Jan handled Izzy with, you know, not too much fanfare there. I mean, obviously there's a big weight difference there. Um, I'm gonna go with Ratchik's too. Um, going with the line. I don't know. I, I think Jan is very capable of winning this fight, especially if he can drag it to the ground a couple times, and we'll see how um, you know Ratchet does there. But yeah, I'm going with the favorite. All right, uh, Mike on an island there, trying to make some moves. This card is not as bad as most of these fight night cards. Is it in front of people? No, it's not. Surprising. Um, but it's got some interesting stuff on this. You got uh, Eon Kutilaba and Ryan Span. Both known for having pretty good fights, quite frankly. A lot of times because they're getting beat up. But, you know, we got some more light heavyweights on here. Uh, I don't think Luis Smoko's ever had a boring fight, Marcus. I really like um, really I, I, I'm a big Luis. I think he's like six foot tall at a bantamweight, too. Uh, David Grant's a, t- a tough opponent, too. That's not bad. Caitlin Chukasian, my beloved blonde fighter, mm-hmm. taking on Amanda Hebus. Mike's a big fan because she's funny as hell. <laughs> I, I enjoy my Amanda Hebus. Um... I feel Frank Camacho's been in the UFC a long time, but I can't tell you one thing about him. He's on this card. Vivian Arujo versus Andrea KGB Lee. Not bad there. Michael Johnson. Michael Johnson's still in the UFC. Mm-hmm. That tough 12 crew, Mike. We still got Michael Johnson. We still got Bruce Leroy. That might be it. I don't know who else is from tough 12. Hmm. That'd be a fun thing to look up at one point. Who from these tough classes still... Uh, Still exists. Because I know, like, we still got Court McGee from Tough 11, which is a wild thought, that, quite frankly. We got, we, got, we got that season with Michael Johnson. Was that the season with, well, what did they call themselves? The Minority Report? Yeah, that's what it was. Okay, this is, I'm looking at the list here. These are the people from that season still in the UFC. Michael Johnson, Alex Caceres, end of list. That's, the, that's it? That's it. There you go. I mean, in wow. fairness, it was 12 fucking years ago. You know, true. we got we ain't got nobody left from the heavyweight season. I don't think like that was two years before that. They're in Bellator. Some of them. One of them's, you know, mm. one of them. Uh, one of them. Oh, God, Mike, we got this when this we did a whole podcast. I feel about <laughs> Brendan Schaub's life after the podcast. You and I are going to talk about the did Bobby you, Lee uh, situation. Did, did, did you see that? Uh, sh- uh, on uh, Schultz's uh, podcast, he denied that he even owns a truck. He got a truck. We've all seen the truck. Did you see that Bobby Lee said that like Brendan Schaub threatened his career because Brendan Schaub said he has 300 pages proving that Bobby Lee set up the subreddit that makes fun of him? <laughs> Yo, he, on the yeah. podcast, Brendan Schaub said that Bobby Lee is one of his closest friends. He did. Yeah, no, this is on the uh, the H3H3 podcast that my girlfriend's a big fan of, actually. I don't know if she listened to this episode. Well, Kevin, he's just talking like they apparently tried to tell on Bobby Lee to Rogan. Like what? Like what? It's a weird locker room bully bullshit going on there. We're way off the thing. We haven't even given people any context to the Brendan Shop stuff. Well, again, it should be its own episode. Um, Trug walk. Trug walk. Okay, that's it. I think for the um, 
the predictions and news and whatever's going on in this card. Um, so what, do we do we need to make a parlay on our one fight? Are we all just are we are we actually we didn't agree? Never no, mind. Yeah, we didn't agree. So we need to keep. We should go back and figure out how much money this ends up costing us. These five dollars every time. Well, it won't be hard. Cause I don't think we've won well, any. So yeah, we haven't won any yet. I'm just looking at every five bucks I send parlay. Mike on Venmo. This was the one we should have won, guys. Like honestly, like we 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 stared down an Oliveira minus one forty and said, "Yeah, we all got that." Like we just picked that shit. Okay? Well, in some ways, next you know. Time, next time you see Rose, let her know, big fan. You cost us money. Yeah, you owe me about nineteen dollars. Is what it up being? I think after uh, Donald went out of the fight with well, the food poisoning. Maybe our betting streak isn't that great, but it's better than the streak that Mike thinks about when we talk about streaks. So that's right. For those of you who listen nice to the whole callback. podcast, yes. Rewarding the people you. listening to this thing. I wrote a rent. note saying streaks. I was like, I got to work that in later in the podcast. So now, now it's a comedy podcast. We're there. Um, I'm going to go. I did not see Dr. Strange. I know you both did. I'm not going to see it next weekend. So I think you guys should probably talk about it, actually. So let's end with that. So um, I'll say what I got for this week. Um, I finished watching the show Mom on Hulu. I really didn't know it was ending. Like, like, well, I was like, oh, that was the season. That was the series finale. That was it. Okay. Um, it's with, a good show. Uh, Anna Faris and, uh, and CJ, CJ Craig. Craig. Yeah, CJ Craig. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, we're laughing because CJ Craig was her West One character. Um, good show. What the fuck is your name? Allison Janney. Yeah, Allison Janney. Um, it's a good show. Um, still watching Barry. Barry's been good this, so far this season. Atlanta's been just... Every week, so much stuff happens in Atlanta, man. It's hard. To, it's, it's, I'm watching saw, a mini. I saw a clip that Liam Neeson was in one of the episodes. Oh, yeah, that happened. Th- th- that was this week. Liam Neeson was in there. It was that, it is, that scene in itself. I don't know how they got Liam Neeson to agree some of the stuff that came out of his mouth in this one. Because um, people have a lot of respect for Donald. Nobody knows what he's talking about in there. Um, but yeah, um, this coming weekend. I'm going to be able to hang out with Mike. We're going to go to a wedding. Uh, I'm going to hit that Embassy Suites breakfast. That's free. Last time I stayed at Embassy Suites was like 1999, so maybe not. But uh, yeah, see you in Detroit, buddy. But that's all I got this week. Do you guys got non-Doctor Strange stuff you want to mention first? Well, I don't want to talk about Doctor Strange if you haven't watched it yet. So Yeah, but I I'm not going to see it next week. next week. I'm oh, not going to see it next week. I'm going to be with you. Are we going to see Doctor Strange on Saturday? Dude, you've got you've got like five four days until we got to travel. You Yo, can there, find there two and yeah, I got to I got to work. I got to I got to work. You know, I gotta I gotta get some stuff done. I got a dog. We're we're just you Yo, know I'm you not that. Of, I don't want to go by myself. You're one of the bosses. Just say you got like a hemorrhoid or something, and you got to go take care of that. Two and a half I think hours, I'd rather just boom, say, I right think I'd there. rather just say I'm gonna go see a movie. That might be a better reason. No, you guys, <laughs> you guys go ahead. Um, and also, part of it was like spoiled for me by Google News. Way to go! Pick your sources better, Google News. So I'll, I'll see it when I see it. So, um, but you guys got anything besides Doctor Strange you want to get it to? We're already at an hour eleven minutes. If the answer is no, that's fine. <laughs> yeah, I don't really have anything super. I want to get that SEO, baby. From... I want to put Doctor Strange on the title of this I episode as much, yeah. and that's what I'm trying to get into the cultural zeitgeist. We can here, do guys. not super spoil spoiler. Dude, yeah. spoil away. I'm gonna hit you guys. I'm gonna put this. Put my headphones on mute, and one of you guys wave your hands like you're on fire when you're done talking about it. <laughs> <laughs> 
All right. Um, well, I guess we can start talking about it now if you want to kind of go away, Bob. Yeah. And for anyone who doesn't want Doctor Strange spoiled for them. Mm-hmm. And when I finish saying this sentence, well, you should have left already. Well, this was my thoughts on Doctor Strange, uh, mm-hmm. Mark. I really enjoyed the movie. And one, I thought one amazing thing about the fact that it was diving into the multiverse is that we got hit with that scene with the Illuminati with so many cameos so quickly that I was losing my goddamn mind in the movie theater, which was very awkward because no one else was losing their minds in the movie theater. So mm-hmm. I kind of had to subdue my losing of my mind because then I just felt like a weirdo. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that is the, the biggest spoilery thing of the movie. And unfortunately, it was spoiled for me, too. Uh, I can't believe it, it was... It was on IGN. IGN had a video that was like, oh, what does the Illuminati mean? And I read enough comics. I knew who the Illuminati was um, and who's in it. I mean, and there's different versions. They, um, you know, Neymar is usually yep. in the Illuminati and who wasn't in this. But, you know, since we're talking about it, uh, Black Bolt, uh, Captain Carter, which was kind of a multiverse thing. She was in the what if, although it's yep. highly sc- spectacular. Uh, they're not thinking it's the same uh, Captain Carter that was in that series. Uh, but I mean, the, the biggest surprise was, uh, and you might have to help me with his name, uh, Jim from The Office, John Krasinski. John Krasinski. Like? Krasinski was playing uh, Mr. Fantastic. And that was something that the internet kind of ran away with. They There was lots of you know petitions talking about he needs to be Mr. Fantastic and his now, wife needs to be him, Mr. With him, <laughs> with him. I never even thought that was an actual thing. I just thought it was like, that was, you know, those fan those like fan casting things which oh, mm-hmm. he actually would, would look pretty cool as as mr mm-hmm. fantastic but i just thought that was like some fan ig thing um, yeah which it kind of was didn't for a second think that he was actually going to be mr fantastic yeah i mean well i didn't think he'd be in this i i really i mean when you're dealing with the multiverse you know weird cameos or new creations or takes on characters should be somewhat expected but yeah, I wasn't really anticipating that. And then, you know, I saw a screenshot where it was him with the beard. And I was like, okay, well, I guess that's happening, which was unfortunate because I, I too, Mike, probably would have lost my shit um, during that scene. But what I would say about, you know, the other characters that were there, I think Professor X, a great nod to him in his yellow motorized wheelchair, which is very reminiscent of the animated series. They even play the animated yes. series theme song, yes. which was fucking awesome. But of all the characters, and even Mr. Fantastic being, you know, a big surprise and who you want casted, I think the one that I was kind of most impressed with was Black Bolt, because they attempted to do the Inhuman series, the, the TV series. I never watched it. I watched videos critiquing about how awful was it that, was. Was that the same Black Bolt from the series? It was the exact, it was the same actor too, which was kind of like, okay. they didn't, and they put him in his silliest costume, but I think it's kind of hard to convey like what makes him so powerful and interesting of a character basically his voice is extremely deadly like whispers you know take down a mountaintop so i thought it was really telling when they're doing the scene about how they had to kill their doctor strange and how he basically just like whispered i'm sorry and he like obliterates them i thought that was really cool i also thought half this movie i mean okay so we should get into the other part of the spoiler which you know wasn't well it was hinted at but i didn't really know for sure is that wanda um the scarlet witch is the main villain of the film and the scene where she's fighting the Illuminati was basically like a live action 
uh, Scarlet Witch kills the Marvel Universe, which I thought was so fun. I, I love reading those comics where it's like, oh, the Punisher, how does he kill all these superheroes? And to, to see her interact. And I think what also has to be said, like, this is a very graphic movie for Marvel. And I think the Black Bolt death Oof, scene where essentially that was she like sews his lips and he says something in his mouth. And, and, and granted, he's wearing a full, you know, cap you know, mask on, but you see the backside of his skull cave in. And then the way he slumps down when he's dead was just like, that's pretty graphic for PG 13. I thought, um, Scarlet, Witch was a fantastic villain. And I think a lot of times when we criticize the Marvel movies, especially the ones that weren't centered around like Thanos or this big kind of Avengers thing, the villains kind of get, there's not a lot of motivation behind them. They're, they're, they're vying for power and will do anything for it. Hence leads to their misdeeds. Whereas Scarlet Witch with uh, WandaVision having been basically a let up to this was like, we know exactly why she's so heartbroken and why she would go to these like extreme lengths to, you know, get her fictitious children back. So I thought that that plot line worked really well. I think she was a great villain. I think visually a lot of the, you know, her killing all the other superheroes was very, you know, stunning and kind of like it kind of just really showed the audience like, yo, like she's not to be messed with. You know, this universe and the Illuminati seem to have everything on tap. They weren't worried about her whatsoever. And then she comes in and wrecks shop. I thought that was really cool. Overall, what I would say about the film is I, I did really enjoy it. I thought it was fun. But I think there's a number of things that you can kind of critique or look at as being less strong in this movie than they were in some of the other Marvel movies. And for me, I thought the dialogue was lacking a bit. Whereas one of my high points in like a lot of the Avengers movies, just like every scene, the dialogue so witty and snappy and the jokes just land. And I felt like some, some of the dialogue in this movie was a little truncated, was a little cheesy. Didn't quite have that same spark of humor where it's like, these guys are ultra confident and just like, oozing charisma it didn't really seem to have that going for me as much and then i i'm actually a very big american chavez fan so i was really excited they opened the movie she's just fucking there with you know an alternate version of dr strange um but for most of the movie she hasn't realized how to control her powers and a lot of it is just like close-ups of her looking bewildered or surprised at stuff and it was just like we didn't really get too far with that character until the end where she's able to kind of utilize her powers because i think it's really kind of interesting power set that she has and she is one of like the heavy hitters in the marvel universe i thought that was kind of i was glad to see her in there i'm glad she's going to be you know hopefully a bigger mainstay in the bigger overall uh you know cinematic universe but i thought this movie didn't really do her a ton of justice because she was just kind of being chased the whole time and didn't really get that that moment where she was really in control until the end Outside of that, I thought it was really fun. I had a great time with this movie. I want to watch it again. Um, it definitely had some of its shortcomings, but I enjoyed the ride through and through. And at you know a, a snappy two hours, this movie just went. It was just constantly on the run. It was constantly going to something else or explaining something. Um, I didn't feel like it dragged, so I really enjoyed my time with it. I mean, right from the beginning, the first scene is just a chase scene, right, mm -hmm. right off the start. Um, so you're right. I did think uh, there weren't any real parts that dragged in the movie. Uh, it was uh, just go, 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 I think, from the beginning. Um, I was really surprised and really impressed that Wanda was the uh, the villain in this mm -hmm. movie. Me too. Um, I, I don't know why. I just thought she was going to be 
you know, one of the heroes. Uh, mm-hmm. I thought she would work through, uh, you know, losing her fictitious children in this movie, but mm-hmm. no, uh, this movie just transitioned there fully to, you know, being a, a, a tragic villain. Um, so I don't know if we're going to see Wanda again. Um, although the way they did, she did quote unquote die. It was in a manner where, well, you didn't actually see her body, so they could bring her back if they want to. Yeah. I I thought, I think the villain is what makes any Marvel movie. Um, <laughs> and I think in this case, Wanda wasn't, it wasn't like in a lot of other Marvel movies where the villain is just, you know, the hero with the same powers, but just bad. In <laughs> yeah. this case, in this case, while these were the two Avengers that dealt with magic, Wanda was clearly more powerful than Doctor Strange. And there was really no point in this movie where Doctor Strange had any hope of beating Wanda in, in a straight up fight. And that's not what beat Wanda. What Wanda didn't get beat. Wanda got turned back at the very last minute so the last vestiges of her heroism so and i think i I thought that was really poignant yeah and i think it's a good point mike because that is also kind of like dr strange's like kind of thing like he doesn't he's not out punching the guys he's fighting right in his first movie when he's fighting uh Dumamu, I'm butchering that name. Yeah, you actually, of all the names you get right, that's the name I know, you get right. right? <laughs> well, I mean, <laughs> comic book character, of course, not an actual real person in reality. But he had to use the time stone, right? And it wasn't like, oh, I beat him. It was like, I kind of outsmarted him, right? And I think a lot, and then like you look at Infinity War, it wasn't that like, oh, I, I have this time stone. I'm going to be able to beat Thanos with it. It was basically he used the time stone to figure out a way that they might eventually be able to win. And he makes that sacrifice. A lot of his kind of winning is sacrificing himself to some degree to make that bigger play or whatever it may be. So I thought that was, I think that's a very poignant idea. And I do think, you know, it stays very true to the comics. Scarlet, Witch is, you know, one of the big powerhouses there's been whole story story arcs around her in house of M where she basically changes and controls reality to her whim. So, and she's always been in this kind of in between where, you know, sometimes she is a good person and sometimes she is the villain and I think that's kind of interesting thing to play with. Um, I, I don't think it's going to be the last time we see her, especially since um, I think Agatha's getting her own show. I, I have to imagine that we will see her come back. I feel at some point she will have a redeeming story arc where she's going to sacrifice herself to some degree to you know, you know, save the day or what have you. But at the end of the at the end of the day, I really enjoyed this film. I thought it was fun. I didn't have super high hopes because of Sam Raimi. I'm not so, so familiar with his work or was so impressed with the two Spider-Man or the three Spider-Man movies he did to think him being attached to this was going to be like, you know, some great, you know, get for directors. But I thought he did a good job, you know, and I think it definitely the reviews I read after the fact is that like everyone's saying like, oh, this was such a Sam Raimi kind of movie with like the zoom ins and the close ups. And like, I don't know his style enough to be like, oh, yeah, that's so vintage him um it was a little corny it did have what bruce campbell i guess always makes a cameo and he made his little fun cameo which was all nice and good but for a doctor strange flick you know i think it was very enjoyable now they did have probably the best kind of playground to kind of mess with i think the multiverse is just something it's you have infinite possibilities you can literally do whatever you want and it kind of makes sense so i think they it would have been tough to really 
balk this one. I don't think they did. I think they delivered a really fun, solid movie that's probably going to have some ripples in you know the MCU going down the road. Um, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I thought it was fun. All right. I think we could just bring Bobby back in. I think we've uh, done enough here. I'm waving my hands to let him know we're back. He sees us. He sees us. You know. mm-hmm. He's yeah, coming he's back slowly in. getting his cans hey, on. There Bobby. he is. Yo, I okay, couldn't like... First of all, I definitely played the video of something for about tw- 10 seconds on, on and off when you guys were talking, I realized. I got like, extra audio. Oh, yeah. Also, like, I can't, like, mute you guys because, like, your audio no. is what's getting recorded. So I'm like... We're getting recorded. I, yeah, so I had to, like, turn on my phone. I started listening to the co-main event podcast where they were making the point that like, if we had open scoring, that Rose and uh, Carla fight would have been totally different. I'm like, Could've fuck, been. that's the best argument for open scoring I've ever heard. Everything else, I don't care about the other reasons. That's the reason to do it. Don't make me go through that ever again. All right? Don't. Um, that was a nice in-depth discussion of Doctor Strange. Um, all right. I think we could have we gone on longer, but, you know, we didn't we want the, the podcast to be two hours long. Yeah, yeah, we got We that. got the main parts in. Right on. Um, all right. Well, um, we'll be back next week where we're going to talk about, if we must... Holly Holm versus Ketlin Vieira main eventing a card. Um, I thought I saw Mike shaking his head in disgust. He's not. No, I'm just playing with my hair. Yeah, maybe internally you are. And then the week after that, there's nothing, which is good because Mike and I are going to be in Vegas. But then the week after that, Biggie Boy versus Volkov fight card. I'm still not sure if this pay-per-view, the next one that's in Singapore, is free. Or by free, I mean still on ESPN+. Plus, But... Anyway, hmm. we'll be back next week. Uh, we're going to talk about something. I mean, probably mixed martial arts. I'm hoping Mark watches the shit out of this card because Mike and I are not. <laughs> no, good point. I'll, I'll, I'll try to do my homework. Yeah. Um, anyway, um, I was Dr. Law. That was DJ Mark. And that was Lavender Gooms. Thank you all for listening so much. That was episode 481 of It's I'm Amazing Radio. So you guys know what's coming. 482. 482, yeah. Exactly. And so on. Yeah, I know how numbers exactly. and sequences work. Okay. Um, all right, guys. Thank you for listening. See you all next week. Peace out. See you.